Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to GOLA. I'm Katie Parla, a Rome-based food and beverage writer, culinary guide, and cookbook author. And I'm Danielle Caligari, assistant professor of Italian at Dartmouth College and a certified specialist of wine. Danielle Caligari, Dr. Caligari's cabinet on the socials. What is going on? Katie Parla, known by that very same name on all channels. I am excited to be back in the studio with you recording another episode of GOLA for our new season. And I'm extra happy for this one because as our listeners have heard already in the course of the latest episodes, we did some traveling this summer. That's right. GOLA on the road. We sure did. Hashtag GOLA on the road. Not just a fun way to follow our trip trip and travels, trippy travels, but also the title of our forthcoming television program. That's right. Go on the small screen. We're very excited for so many reasons that everyone can imagine. But the very first one is that it gave us an opportunity to do the thing we've been talking about doing for a long time. And that is actually go to the places, eat the things, drink the things, talk to the people, see the history unfolding actually before us. Um, Yeah, it was the best. It's the best. So uh, which of our many trips and travels are we talking about today, Katie? Abruzzo. Abruzzo, which you can't say without glee in your voice. I know. I just love it so much. It's a wonderful place. What makes you love it, Katie? It's got so many mountains and shepherds. We've already established my deep appreciation for shepherd culture <laughs> yes, we have. in all of its incarnations. It's got a lot of salamis in it, and it's got really great pecorino cheese on account of all the lambs and sheep. It's got a nice coastline. Um, it's like really fresh air. You can drive one hour to Rome and you're there, and then also two and a half hours and you're still there, but it's the <laughs> beach and not the mountains. And then there's great wine, like really fun Trebbiano-based wines. There's pecorino-based wines. And I like that a wine has the same name as um che- uh, as a sheep's milk cheese. And then also they have an, a rosé called Cerasuolo d'Abruzzo. And then also there's a red wine <laughs> Katie, called... Katie, 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 calm down. <laughs> Too much. Genziana. <laughs> Look, it's a delicious destination, which I think is actually the name of a show. Is a it? A different show. Yeah, a, different... a, a competitor's <gasps> show. Oh, my God. Um, but in any event, Abruzzo's where we love to go eat and drink. And we went out for a really, really fun visit to a vineyard. Yeah. De Fermo. De Fermo. We love them. We really we love everything about them because they call themselves a farm, right? And so, um, well, when we decided to take a trip to Abruzzo, we said to ourselves, where are we going to go with relatively limited time to explore this region that is so rich, as you just described? And we kind of whittled it down to a couple of places that would be representative of a, of many of those aspects all in one go. And the Fermo is a place that 
um, is a winery and is, I think, on the map for if anyone does know of it um, outside of of Italy right now, it's because of their their very fine wines, which are just lovely, really evocative and sophisticated, but really drinkable. Um, but it's a place that uh, builds itself first and foremost as a farm and as an environment, really. Yeah, totally. So, you know, while our visit was sort of based around drinking wine, when you go visit the vineyards, you can't deny the nature around you that's also part of this whole ecosystem that they're cultivating. We were, you know, in this field surrounded by uh, legumes, lentils specifically. There were olive trees and fruit orchards all around us. Um, the compost pile in the in the sort of background at the top of a hill, a reminder that there is all of this natural uh, fermentation going on, not just in the cellar, but also in this uh, compost heap, which then nourishes the soil. And I just, I really, it wasn't surprising to me because I, Although I'd never been there before, I had read the sort of philosophy that uh, the DeFermo uh, family vineyard uh, embraces. But what was what was surprising to me is being able to stand at one point and look, you know, at 12 o'clock and you have snow-capped mountain peaks. Look at 6 o'clock, or I guess 3 o'clock, JK, um, and see other snow-capped mountain peaks and then look at 9 o'clock and see uh, the, the sort of uh, hazy... Uh, um, seascape in the distance. It's a really uh, spectacularly sighted part of Abruzzo. Specifically, it's in this really beautiful little village with a lot of winemaking, actually, called Loretto Apruntino. <laughs> so, Katie, speaking of not knowing much about the space, if I can... Um take a, a hook that you gave me a few a few beats back. Um, we went to a place that we wanted to find out more about within this region of Abruzzo that we both love. But Abruzzo as a region is a place that is still wildly underappreciated. And that was a big part of the reason why we went in the first place. Um, we are as we're doing this exploring, marking out spaces within the Italian peninsula and its islands that are not as well visited, not as well appreciated from afar or even from within, right? That are that are places that have all of the things that we look for and many of the um, comforts or, uh, you know, privileges of, of more touristed locations, but that don't have the influx of visitors. And as a result, uh, you know, first of all, we think are deserving of attention and, and we want to bring it to them, but also are places where your presence is so much more appreciated as a visitor and you receive a kind of more joyous hospitality and uh, more time and attention from the people who you visit. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And Abruzzo is not, you know, the region is no stranger to visitors because many, many, many people um, in Canada and uh, the United States and all over South America and Australia um, go back to visit family members there. Um, and in fact, some of my first friends in Italy were uh, repatriated Abruzzese uh, immigrants, which, you know, really kind of uh, caused me to parachute into the Abruzzese culture pretty quickly upon arrival here. Um, and it's such a, you know, it's a it's a huge region that has so little in the in the way of um, 
uh, city development. Mm -hmm. So you can drive around, not to say that it's underdeveloped. The roads are great. You know, there's a a really well-developed tourist apparatus, Mm -hmm. especially on the seaside and the mountains. There's great, well-maintained hiking trails. But you can just drive and drive and not really see that many other people. It's also an awesome place to cycle if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. (laughs) Well, if if I am into it. Of course. um, And I have... I have cycled Grand Sasso and, you know, it's spectacular to get in a car and in an hour 20, uh, park the car and then bike up a mountain that has snow peaked uh, caps or snow capped peaks. I don't remember the phrase. It's been a really, it was a hot day. My brain doesn't work. Yes, that. Um, And and then, of course, you can nourish yourself on all that wonderful pasta, the most famous being spaghetti alla chitarra. Mm -hmm. Um, right, so sort of squared off homemade spaghetti, um, nice and chewy with a good bite to them, often served with polpette. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that's right, little guys too. Um, so although most places that you go in Italy do not serve spaghetti and meatballs, there is an exception to the rule in Abruzzo. And uh, spaghetti alla chitarra, uh, especially around Loreto, are served with little baby meatballs. Um, a mix so of cute. a mix of meats are so cute. <laughs> yeah, you can fit like twenty of them in a uh, in a tablespoon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not quite, but uh, <laughs> but they're adorable. And uh, I also really love that same a similar dish with uh, mutton ragu or lamb ragu. Um, it's just a, a beautiful, hearty, uh, carnivorous, omnivorous cuisine. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm actually flashing back to the meal that we had after visiting the vineyard. That was really tremendously exciting in so many ways. But before we get into that, let's, you know, use that context. And so Abruzzo is this beautiful, rich place. It has everything literally because of its position. It's central East Italy. So it's, uh, you know, the has a lengthy coast that you can visit and that offers all different kinds of beach experiences. It has huge mountains for by Italian standards because it encompasses a, a nice big swath of the Apennine. And I mean, it even has a, a I think the furthest south, the farthest south glacier in Europe, if I remember correctly, and uh, and then it has all of this biodiversity and uh, the ability to enjoy that in whatever vehicle you choose. So we took that and we said, let's find the place that uh, will capture that for us. And we ended up at the Fermo, and we experienced all the things that you mentioned before, Katie. The fact that they are this really integrated, sustainable property with everything from a giant active compost heap right in the middle of things uh, up to uh, apiaries all over the property and uh, people, uh, you know, doing a little bit of everything as they're there, right? We, We noticed there... Uh, their team, uh, you know, stopping to uh, check on uh, fruit trees, also the grapes, look, you know, taking care of the compost, moving uh, equipment around, uh, ma- making note of how the bees were doing, uh, just about everything. Everybody's uh, working there in this kind of holistic sense. And after we got to walk through the vineyards and um, experience that space, we got to sit down and taste the wine, which is obviously always my favorite part. Oh, yeah, that was fun. But it wasn't just like a normal chill type of tasting, no. right? It was in a an 18th century or even maybe a little bit older uh, Neapolitan hunting lodge 
because during the 18th century, um, just before the DeFermo family took over uh, this uh, beautiful estate, um, it was a an area that was under Neapolitan or under the, the, the kingdom based in Naples. And so it was surrounded by forests. It was a great place to hunt for boars and all sorts of things. Hopefully not bears. Hopefully I, didn't hunt bears. I don't know. Are there bears around Gran Sasso there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's so many bears. So many bears. Yeah. Um, let's pretend that they never hunted a bear. I, every time people tell me about bears, they I just black out because it terrifies me to think that I could be just like wandering next to a vineyard and see a bear. Do not like. Yeah, I think bears actually are either like the Gran Sasso logo or just yeah. generally the Abruzzo it's all uh, there. Yeah, the image is all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually I'm, that's that's an interesting thing in the sense that that's a, a pre-political divisions thing, right? Because if you're in the southern part of Tuscany and around the um, more mountainous forested regions of Tuscany and uh, Umbria and Abruzzo, they all kind of share that that kind of weird love of bear iconography, also, mm. which you know to me should be a threatening sign, but. To each their own. <laughs> Definitely heavy bear vibes on the Apennines. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you've got like definitely a cool, natural, wild feel. But then there's also like it's clearly civilized. I mean, yeah. maybe the reputation of uh, Abruzzo in the Middle Ages or the Renaissance was not quite as a tamed place. But now it's quite it's quite civilized. And we sort of evoked this when we were talking about like the great easy to navigate highways yeah. and and lots of uh, clearly labeled hiking paths and then yeah. all sorts of ski lodges and things which are popular in the winter. But can we talk a little bit about what Abruzzo would have been like? I mean, I imagine in antiquity there would have been some tribes there that eventually get absorbed into Roman, um, sort of Roman culture. And maybe because it's not quite on a major thoroughfare like the Apian Way, it's not super important, but there were resources people liked? Yeah. <laughs> I like the, the like, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. I think um, you're already kind of pointing toward the thing that or the kind of broad strokes that we can um, describe when we talk about Abruzzese history um, from a kind of deep pre-modern past to uh, more recent early modern up to the moment you're um, leading us to, Katie, when it when we establish a Neapolitan hunting lodge, for example. Um <laughs> Abruzzo is both strategic but also sort of nonspecific in this way, right? It's in the middle of everything, and so it kind of gets a little bit of everything politically and um, and and socioculturally speaking. Uh, it's right, um, obviously part of the Roman Empire. It because it is on the eastern side of the Apennine, then um, ends up in a kind of in between space. It's not. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, immediately lose its position within the empire when the western side falls because it is Byzantine adjacent. So what... Literally facing the east. Exactly, right. So um, for a little while, it be uh, becomes part of... It, it in, enjoys uh, a moment of uh, stability with the eastern Roman empire, which stays in place, although that's uh, further north on the coast is where the real heart of that uh, 
of that political reality and, and cultural uh, richness will remain. Um, the middle of Italy just becomes this place where people uh, are pushing back against each other. Um, it's, you know, it, it's not that they need Abruzzo. It's that they need the people who are in Abruzzo to get away from them or um, where they're trying to absorb them, right? So you have the Normans and you have all the various peoples who uh, come through. Uh, there are uh, it is a complicated history that I don't want to uh, spend too much time distracting from the important things that we want to talk about, aka food and wine. Uh, but it's we can quickly say that it's a space that gets influenced by many things. In some ways, as I talk about it, and often when I talk about it with my students, I think of it as um, kind of a Sicilian space in a weird sense because it uh, ends up having basically all uh, colonial, imperial, or just um, sort of, you know, uh, passage of different peoples and cultures coming through it. And it gets a bad rep as a result of that. So that by the time you're in the moment of Italian unification, it's kind of known as this place that's for, that's, you know, a wild west of Italy, except in this case, it's a wild east, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so it's a place where there's, there's lawlessness because no one has ever really kind of brought it under uh, its you know, it brought it, you know, under its wing or, you know, clearly under control. And it also has super cool places uh, for bandits to hide. Yes, it's great for hiding your loot and for uh, jumping people on the uh, on on their sojourns from one side of the mm. peninsula to the other. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. I mean, I, I also think there were a couple of important Ports, or at least Pescara, is an important point of reference along the sort of Adriatic uh, stretch of coast. Um, and there's, you know, as you mentioned, this long coastline. But what we really kind of identify with when we think of Abruzzo is is the wine. And I took us on this long tangent. I'm sorry for distracting yeah, no, everyone, but we're back. We're talking yeah. about the Vini <laughs> yeah. from the Fermo, which we tasted in two spaces. One was in the cantina, uh, the underground uh, production area of. Uh, of this 18th century hunting lodge yeah. and the other in a tasting room on the Salonobile level, this like grand hall. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed drinking uh, the white concrete, yeah. uh, which is uh, Italian for concrete, so-called because the wine is, uh, is made in concrete vats. Um, and it's like really crisp and mineral and tangy and delicious. And that was just so, so, so lovely. Yeah. The space that we were in then sort of represents the coming together of the variety of realities that you can have in Abruzzo. So we're surrounded by this very, um, very beautiful, but also kind of wild farm in that it's a, a space that is a, being allowed to grow as it will. You know, they're they're considering themselves stewards or shepherds rather than um, con people who can control what happens on, in, in nature around them. And then you go into this beautiful noble house that um, has all the trappings of aristocracy, but also all of the warmth and um, and just joy of the of the De Fermo family who are there uh, with us, and uh, we tasted through their wines that were doing things that you're mentioning, Katie. For example, using concrete, using um, different uh, aging styles and mechanisms, um, but 
also just highlighting the grapes as they were, right? Just giving us what the taste of the land was, what we're always looking for. And so we got to have these wines that were really bright, really dynamic, really, really pleasurable to drink, um, but also just so closely aligned with expectations when you're thinking of what Abruzzo can offer. So we had their white wine, uh, we had their Cerasuolo, which is absolutely magnificent, highly recommended. Anytime you see a Cerasuolo, just go taste it. doesn't matter where it's from. They're all great. They're, di- they're done a little bit differently, depending on if you're looking at a Sicilian or Abruzzese or some of the other places that are now mimicking that style, even if it wasn't as long of a tradition to use it. Um, and then there are reds coming together uh, really beautifully in uh, the same way, using a kind of balance between innovation and tradition and just um, making sure that all of the best notes come through. Yeah, and the Cherisol d'Abruzzo from De Fermo is called Le Cinche. That's the fantasy name. And it's just, it's so like, you know, Cherisolo is so called because the word is related to the word for cherry. And it does have this like red uh, stone fruit, cherry flavor, wild strawberries. It's just so fruity, but also spiced and floral. And it's it's delicious. I I am very, very into it. And it goes great with the tomato-based pasta dishes of Abruzzo, as well as with the fish soups of the coast. Um, You can, you know, I tend to like to pair uh, the red Multipulciano d'Abruzzo with um, sharper, more aged cheeses. Mm -hmm. But for the softer ones, you can get away with uh, certainly some Cerasuolo d'Abruzzo. So, you know, as we were there, we were talking with uh, the uh, De Fermos about what their hopes are for the future in a place like Abruzzo, because they are you know, bringing to life this place in the sense of the literal nature all around it, but they're also restoring this uh, this house that will then be able to host people. And they're also trying to get new people involved in their property and uh, make it a kind of, you know, richer, more uh, social atmosphere also. And then um, they're expanding themselves out in a way that allows people to understand this as part of an Abruzzese whole, right? And uh, it helped us, I think, having those conversations even more than I expected because then we continued our day by going to visit the the sea and going to visit a wine bar in the probably liveliest city in Abruzzo uh, right now because of the weather more than anything else, Pescara. Mm -hmm. And we got to see how all of these things are playing out in this cultural context at the moment, right? So Abruzzo is this place that is, if it's really celebrated in an Italian context, it's for that, it's for the nature, like you've talked about, Katie, right? This ability to take the hikes, to cycle, to um, to walk around uh, along the sea and swim, to enjoy all that, to not have this um, intensity of the urban landscape constantly around you. In the the day that we had there together, we got to then see that moving all together across different spaces. So from the products and from being in nature with the wines there, then moving to the seaside, seeing people enjoy themselves and uh, and relax with the food and wine of their region, and then into the city to one of the most historic wine bars there. 
That's right. And don't forget La Bilancha, where we had lunch on the oh, way. God. Yes, I forgot. Right. <laughs> I think we were all blacked out I, from too, so much food and so much heat. You're absolutely right, Katie. So, you know, let's talk about uh, what we ate and then what we closed the day with drinking and how that kind of confirmed our uh, expectations and even heightened them for the next time we get there. Well, we started with some tripe. Yeah, of it's, course. It's a pretty light lunch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we had a little tripe cooked in some tomato sauce with a tad of vinegar to brighten it up a little bit. We had a nice little mix of fried things, some battered and fried sage, mm-hmm. um, little bits of salami, uh, which were pleasantly gamey, some delicious cheeses as well. And that was the antipasto. And there were probably 50 other things on the plate that I forgot because yeah. clearly <laughs> we had had some wine. Yeah. And then... Um, Pasta a la muñaya, which is uh, a very yeah. specific pasta dish. It's a, it's, uh, La Bilancha is known for this. It's a really long noodle. It's handmade and hand-rolled. And we had it with a tangy pepperoncino oil, a nice sort of fermented chili sauce that really kicked up the, the tomato flavor. And that uh, was a pleasant pairing with that, uh, with that. Is noodle a lame word to use? No. Yes, I don't accept. Okay. Form. Okay. Why not shape. noodle? Shape in English. Forma in Italian. Okay. Why not noodle though? Because it sounds like you are getting it out of a box that also has some powdered cheese in it. It feels to me though like a hand-pulled noodle. I'll allow it here. Okay. Asterisk. I'll allow it here because you're right. These, if you've ever had Beijing-style noodle, hand-pulled noodles the this shape of pasta from Abruzzo is actually very similar to that. That is true. Thank you. Okay. But don't, but don't, <laughs> don't make that mistake again. Don't ever try it again. Um, so uh, that's where we also had the spaghetti alla chitarra with mm. the little meatballs. Yeah. And then, oh, pesca. Yeah. Or like not pesca. It was like a, a an alcarmes yeah. spiked, a pink, like highlighter pink, <sighs> boozy. Yeah. Uh, elixir that was soaked uh, in, I guess, like pan di spagna, kind of like um, pound cake with cream and chocolate. Yeah. It was like really good. Yeah. We also had curatella there. <gasps> we sure did. Yeah. Which is, I, again, people, I feel like when we talk about things like this, people think we're just trolling them because mm-hmm. um, it sounds like I'm joking when I say it's one of my favorite things, but it actually really is. It's, um, traditionally lungs and kidney, right? Um, Heart, lungs, liver, trachea. Basically when you harvest yeah. the, when you're um, harvesting the organs of yeah. a lamb or a goat, mm-hmm. you take the, basically from the trachea through the lungs, the, everything comes out on a single membrane and it like kind of dangles from the call fat, I guess, this, or so, whatever. This is the, not helping our cause <laughs> to convince people to do this. It's so good. Imagine but, haggis, but. <laughs> but, you know, you've got your heart, your lungs, and your liver. Yeah. And they each have different a different consistency, right? Yeah. So, and you don't want to just cook it all together. So, the process for making coartella mm-hmm. um, or the the Abruzzese dialect analog is to separate each of the organs. You clean them, you dice them, and then you sa- you saute them together, but in stages. And in this particular incarnation, with a ton of uh, white um, onion, yeah. So it's like kind of sweet. Yeah, it, it was it was truly delicious. If we didn't have to go on to do the things that I already told everyone we went to do, 
um, I would have eaten way more of it, but I was pretty afraid that I was just going to fall into a total coma. But we made it. But instead we made it. Instead we went to the seaside. We um, put our feet in up to our knees and uh, and cooled off and calmed down from our um, lunch high. And uh, and then we decided to um, get a kind of last taste of, of food and wine culture in Abruzzo, and that was at Don Gennaro. Yeah, I, this Gennaro is one of the most classic Neapolitan names, like Ciro. It's very associated I mean, with that I, region. I feel like it's also, this is probably why I was saying this before, like when we're talking about the history of Abruzzo, I'm for some reason like thinking about the way I describe Sicilian history and like the crash course or the fast version. And... When you're there and you hear, I mean, the way people, act, like there's, there's something that's just like, that's keenly meridionale about mm-hmm. Abruzzo, even though, and it's, it's really interesting for me to try to track that in, you know, because I, you know, we can go through and we can walk through why certain things are the way they are in terms of a political history, in terms of influences that came through. Certainly the fact that, um, you know, Neapolitan aristocracy was in the town that we were visiting is a, a clear sign of the influence coming up from the uh, Spanish viceroys, um, you know, the, the the shared history there. But at the same time, Abruzzo could have pulled some stronger pieces of culture from other places or have other other elements of life that feel more, you know, settentrionale or, or at least central in, mm-hmm. in their essence. And uh, there's, I mean, as soon as we got to this historic Enoteca, besides the classic name that it has, it also just had that that mm. vibrancy, right? That that felt like a Southern Italian evening yes. out after this, after being on the sea. You know, it was wonderful. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, you, you don't have a sea view, but you get the sea air that's yeah. sort of careening down the planned city street in mm-hmm. Pescara. Lots of people standing up outside. Inside, sort of, if for me, it kind of looks like one of those old school, like, candy shops in Sicily or Naples. But instead of there being, you know, um, bags of candy in drawers, it's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of wine (laughs) and all sorts of liqueurs and spirits. And, you know, you walk in and, like, the first thing you see is this beautiful bar. There's a ton of wine on tap. There's a ton of yeah. wine in bottles that are being poured by the glass. Yeah, I think they had 15 wines on tap, right? Yeah. Which was maybe the most that I've seen anywhere, uh, to be honest. Because, Amazing. Uh, yeah, got to think about that. But it was uh, it was impressive. Yeah, so cool. And like, yeah. you know, people just coming in in continuation. Yeah. A really quick moving mm-hmm. uh uh, so not quite frenetic pace, but because all the energy was outside on the street, but like a very efficient service. And and there's just so much great stuff to choose from. I truly, truly highly recommend a trip to Don Gennaro specifically for natural wine drinkers, but generally for people who just like a fun, a yeah. fun little atmosphere after dipping your toes in the Adriatic. Yeah, it was just a a perfect conclusion, not only because it literally rounded up everything that we had been looking at and talking about, um, but also because 
it gave us this other data point that we're always trying to find, which is, you know, here are the products, here are the people making them, here's the space, okay, here's the history, the context, we've, you know, we're, we're putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. And then it's, how are people living it now? How does that translate into mm. our moment? And how are people going to, what are they going to do with it, right? And we, what we saw in, in Pescara was that the efforts of people at the Fermo, for example, mm. of making good wine, enjoyable wine, wine that respects tradition and that is sustainable at, on a large scale and a small scale, um, or rather through a large lens and, and a smaller one, um, is being appreciated by a generation right now, right? Young people are out there. They're having a nice day at the, at the sea and uh, they're coming in and they're, and they're looking for a place that serves them products that respect the territory that they're in. And so, you know, we, uh, we're, of course, we're delighted to see that, but it's also a, a sign that this is how people communicate effectively with each other and feel like they're part of a community. Yeah. And that bond between the agricultural, viticultural land and the city, I think, was sort of perfectly encapsulated by the fact that we saw the Lamidia um, vineyard people dropping off Yes, yeah, bottles, yeah. and then all of the people in the wine bar were wearing like Lamidia merch exactly. and stuff. So <laughs> nice synergy between uh, a great natural wine producer in Abruzzo and uh, and people serving their vino, which is what we actually we enjoyed a nice That's, glass. Yeah, yeah. After having uh, enjoyed the full portfolio at De Fermo and then drinking their wines with our lunch at La Bilancia, we uh, shifted over to another producer we enjoy very much and who was uh, being enjoyed all around us as well. And it uh, came to a, a beautiful conclusion. And I believe as we were driving home, we were already making plans for the next time we would be there. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we did all of this in a day and I would discourage you from rushing in a brute. Oh, so it's God, nice yeah. to spend some time. But yeah. we hit a vineyard. We spent a lot of time like getting to know the the wines. We had a wonderful trattoria lunch. We took a little dip in a passeggiata at the beach and then had a glass of wine before heading back to Roma. Yeah. If we had a week there, we would linger around Sulmona and go see Gregorio Rotolo and hang out with him and his sheep. We would head down to Vasto and see some of my friends who make... I would drag make... Katie by her hair away from the sheep because <laughs> she would never let them go. <laughs> I do really enjoy um, cradling a sheep. The sheep don't enjoy it as much as I do, but they also... I'm a lot bigger than they are, so their protestations can only go so far. Um <laughs> You know, and you know, if just just say you're like, okay, Katie, we got to get out of here. We got to go look at something else. Fine, down to Vasto for some seafood stew yeah. and ventricina, a really yeah. delicious pork uh, salami, which actually brings up some, the one last thing I wanted to mention yeah. before we remind people to support us at uh, patreon.com backslash Golapod. Um, if you don't really want to like just talk about lambs the whole time, you don't have to. I mean, you actually can't avoid it in this particular scenario <laughs> because there's this whole. Um, category of salamis and cheeses and other foods that were specifically developed with the transumansa in mind. Mm -hmm. The commute of shepherds, so again, you're not really avoiding the shepherd or sheep <laughs> uh, concept fully, um, but ba basically that um, regular ritual of bringing uh, flocks from the seaside in the wintertime and then bringing them up in the springtime and the summer to the mountains to graze on wildflowers and herbs and then back down to the seaside for the colder months. So I would like to take part of, in this 
uh, cyclical yeah. uh, visit uh, someday. And maybe we'll do a podcast on the subject in the future. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, actually, Katie, because the... Oh, I actually have a lot to say about that. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to drop any hints here. I'm just going to say, let's put that at uh, the top of the list for one of our next episodes. Um, Kate, that's, that's Katie taking notes for real, actually. <laughs> we decided to stop trying to not have the sounds of the things that we're doing while we're talking. <laughs> Get captured on microphone. Now everyone can hear anytime we take a note or accidentally move our chairs in an annoying way. <laughs> um, Katie, you mentioned that our listeners can support us uh, at patreon.com backslash Golapod, which is very important. It's also important that they know that by doing that, they get access to all kinds of cool and fun stuff. And in the 2021-22 season, I like that we're doing it academically and or like a football team, um, we are going to be doing a lot of collaborations with producers we respect and enjoy and want to bring to you. We've had such a great response from all of our listeners already and the people who are beginning to join us. And we're going to keep doing that. So if you're a patron, remember that you'll get first access to that. You'll get discounts. You'll get um, information from us that won't be available to the wider public immediately. Everything that you're enjoying about those collaborations so far is going to get richer and going to continue and expand. And we can't wait to enjoy that with you. So, Katie, anything else people should know besides go to Abruzzo ASAP? Um, follow at Dr. Caligari's cabinet on social and at Katie Parla. Hit us in the DMs with compliments yes flattery (laughs) (laughs) um no uh become a patron uh stay safe out there uh drink some vino eat some lamb if that's your thing and uh, we'll see you next time friends ciao arrivederci we love our supporters and hope you become one too by visiting patreon.com backslash golapod and now is the special shout out time for those who support us at the ghiotti level So thanks so much to Gabe Del Virginia of New York City and our buddies Allison and Gino Ruggiero of Fiorella in Rochester. We also have our wonderful friend Leah at Semolino Artisanal Pasta in Pasadena, California and Bobby Mazzullo at Mazzullo Pizzeria in Sacramento. Join us for more content early access, special discounts, and news of everything Gola in advance on patreon.com backslash Golapod.